Welcome to 321 I Relaunch, the podcast where we discuss strategies, advice, and success stories about returning to work after a career break. I'm Carol Fishman Cohen, the chair and co founder of I Relaunch, and your host for today. Today, we welcome Kendall Brown. Kendall is a career and executive coach at her firm Ascension Careers and the resume specialist on our I Relaunch coaching team. She started her post-MBA career in brand management and then relaunched as associate director at the Kelly School of Business before founding Ascension Careers. We are going to talk about Kendall's career path and relaunch and also her career transition today. And given the pivotal moment our country is in right now with regard to Black Lives Matter, I'm going to ask Kendall at the end of our conversation for her thoughts on relaunching as a Black woman. Kendall? Welcome to 321 iRelaunch. Thanks so much for having me, Carol. I'm happy to be here. Well, it's great to have you. We're talking about two topics here, relaunching and career transitioning, and you did both. So I wanted to ask you about your experience doing both of these at the same time. But can you first uh, set the stage for us and talk about after you got your MBA at the Kellogg School of Management, you pursued a classic brand management career at Kraft and Heinz. Can you give us a little more detail about that period in your life? Oh, sure. So um, I went into brand management after business school, really because I wanted to work on something with a tangible output. Uh, Prior to Kellogg, I'd been in accounting and finance. And while I felt like those disciplines provided a great foundation for a career, I never felt like I had something that I could point to and say, I did that. So on a very basic level, brand gave me something that I'd been missing. And then what led to my career break um, was actually the fact that a few years after finishing grad school, I got married. And shortly after the wedding, while I was still working at Kraft, my husband decided to pursue a PhD. So we moved to Pittsburgh so he could go to school and I started working at Heinz. And honestly, the move really didn't have a significant impact on my day-to-day work. Yes, I was working on a different brand and I was at a different company, but both Heinz and Kraft practice classic brand management. So that transition was pretty smooth for me. While I was at Heinz, I had two kids and during my second pregnancy, I, I did start taking I did start thinking about taking some time off. And during my second maternity leave, my son was diagnosed with autism. And so knowing that the early years would be critical for him, I went ahead and decided to leave my job. And I really just said, I'm going to take this time to focus on getting him the therapy that he needs. And I also you know, wanted to spend some time and enjoy my daughter as an infant. So that's why I said, you know, now's the right time to step away. Mm, Wow. There's a lot lot going on there. Um, On the professional side, I've always been intrigued with relaunchers who have had that classic brand marketing and product management experience because that field has changed so much that you don't get as many people who come from that background anymore if they've launched in the field more recently. And I've always felt that relaunchers who have that background bring something special to organizations that um, is kind of a lost art. I'm curious if you think about that at all, even though you went into something different. 
Yeah, um, I do because I felt like I went into brand because I felt like I had a strong handle on the numbers side of business. Mm -hmm. And so going into brand, I would be able to leverage that and, um, you know, use that background more broadly because then I was looking at the entirety of a business, that brand. And I think that no matter where you go, um, the ability to look at the business as a whole um, is only going to benefit you. And so, yes, while I didn't relaunch in a classic brand role or even like something really classically um, business focused, um, you know, the when I went into career services, there's still, um, you know, dollars that come in and dollars that go out. And so understanding that and being able to critically assess dollars, where dollars come in and where dollars go out, um, you know, benefited me. Exactly. And just just uh, before we continue on and talk about the professional side to acknowledge the personal side and uh, mothering and autistic or parenting and art, an autistic child and, and the challenges there and what, you know, led to your career break. And then maybe can you talk about how long you were home and how you thought about what you wanted to do next? given that you were parenting an autistic child and another child? Sure. So um, I was home for five years and I really didn't spend a lot of time thinking about what I wanted to do next. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, the reality was that I wasn't even sure I wanted to go back to work. I'd always enjoyed working. I did enjoy brand. I can't say that I loved it. Um, you know, and I had, I had two kids, one that had special needs. And so, um, you know, there was, I felt that I was still, you know, of value while at home, mm-hmm. but, um, you know, I did eventually start thinking about the fact that I was pretty well educated and I had a lot of skills and abilities and I didn't want that to go to waste. So working or thinking about working, um, you know, was something that I started doing more often. And I always assumed that I'd go back to brand simply because that's what I'd been doing prior to my break. And Mm -hmm. I actually had a mentor when I was at Kraft who had a couple of kids and took some time off. And then when she was ready to go back to work, she went back to Kraft. So I had seen that happen and I felt like it was possible. Um, But however, uh, during my break, my husband's career took us to Bloomington, Indiana. Um, That's the Mm -hmm. home of Indiana University. It's a college town. It's a small town. And frankly, there's not a lot of opportunities to do brand in Bloomington. So I really had to start thinking about what it was that I could do what it was that I wanted to do, and then try and marry that up with opportunities in Bloomington. Ah, so that location and that context uh, really had an important role in in your thinking there. You know, when you said originally you were thinking you'd go back to brand because that's where you came from, I did the same thing with my relaunch. I was a financial analyst and I went back to being a financial analyst actually with not enough 
thinking about whether or not I should be going back to the same thing that I left. And that in part contributed to me leaving a year after I started. Uh, and I should have done all of that thinking ahead of time. So very smart of you that you were doing that thinking ahead of time. Uh, so once, uh, and also I think it's really interesting that you had seen a role model at Kraft who was a relauncher. Yeah, I um, had gotten to know her during the recruiting process and actually um had started working at Kraft, and it was very shortly after I started working that that she left. And so at the time, selfishly, I was kind of bummed, you know, that she left. But, um, you know, as time went on and I was able to see her come back, I realized what, um, you know, a good role model she was for me to see that, you know, that can indeed happen. Actually, uh Kraft has one of the pioneering relaunchers, Ann Fudge, who was a very senior at Kraft, uh, who later took a career break and whose uh, career we, we followed early on when, we were, when Vivian and I were writing back on the career track before we even co-founded our relaunch. So um, that, that's also uh, an, an interesting reference point. Um, so you're starting to think about other opportunities. You're in Bloomington. Uh, how did you ultimately get your role as associate director of the Kelly School of Business? Okay. So um, really the key was for me to rely on my past experiences and highlight how I would leverage them versus talking about how well-versed I was in professional development and career services. So just to back up a bit, I was interviewing for a role in career services with Kelly's MBA program. So admittedly, I didn't know anything about working in career services. I didn't know about, you know, advising and guiding students, but I had been an MBA student myself. So I was able to sell my interviewers on the idea that I would be able to relate to the students because I had previously been in their shoes. And additionally, I sold my interviewers on the idea that I would be very credible to the students because I'd had the type of career that so many of them were interested in pursuing. Mm, very and, good, good point. Right. So, you know, it was like, I, I don't know one side, but I know another side really well. And along those same lines, um, when I was at both Kraft and Heinz, I'd been involved with rec recruiting. So again, I highlighted that, yes, I'd never been in career services, but I had been an employer and knew the business from that side of things. And so it was explaining that to them that got them comfortable with me. And I think it's worth it to um, the listener for me to call out that I think, you know, it was great for them to get comfortable with me and the fact that I wasn't a perfect fit. It also took a lot for me to get comfortable with the fact that I was not everything they envisioned on paper, but you know, I took the time to figure out what I had to offer to them that could help them get over the hurdle that yes, I wasn't what they imagined originally, but that I could still get the job done. And I actually think that it probably took 
more for me to get over that hurdle and figure out, you know, yes, I can still do this and yes, I'm still going to apply than it did for them to get over the hurdle of, oh, she's not a perfect fit. Mm. And so can you talk a little bit about how you even connected with Kelly in the first place? Did you apply cold for a, a in response to a posting you saw or did you know someone there or how did the first conversations happen? So um, my husband, you know, like I said, his career took us to Bloomington. He was working at IU. And so, you know, we had discussed how I wanted to return to work and he um, had gone to a lunch and actually met someone who knew someone who knew someone who said, hey, um, you know, we're looking to fill um, a role over at the business school. And so he relayed that information on to me. And then I reached out to um, the career services team at Kelly, had a couple of informational interviews, and then that's what led to the interview process starting and me eventually getting the offer. Okay, so I want to highlight something really important here for our audience. It's first of all, just a point of clarification, IU is Indiana University, correct? Yes. Okay. Um, but for everyone to hear what Kendall is saying about her husband was at a lunch and had a conversation with someone who knew someone who knew someone, that is how these opportunities often present themselves. Of course, you have to take advantage of them, but that is why you need to tell everyone you know that you're interested in applying, uh, that, that you're interested in returning to work, and that allies of yours, whether that's your husband, whether that's friends, whether, whether that are former colleagues, will then in turn, on your behalf, make you aware of opportunities, or maybe they might even mention you casually in a conversation when it becomes relevant. And that sounds like it's it's kind of what happened here. And and but the notice the difference, the distance. You know, your husband talks to someone who knew someone who knew someone. So I just want to underscore that um, for our audience. And so so then Kendall, you said that you reached out and you had some informational interviews, and then that that somehow it surfaced that there was this particular role in those? Or were you talking specifically about the role because you saw it once you started poking around? Um, you know, I think those kind of happened simultaneously. And so I knew that they were looking to fill a role. Um, the person that I ended up being the backfill for was moving on to another position still at Kelly. And so I think if they hadn't filled that role, he would have tried to do both of them for, you know, a while until they found someone. So it wasn't that it was posted and, um, you know, we are looking to fill this position, but it was like, hey, um, yeah, it makes a lot of sense what you offer, Kendall. And this is a role that, you know, we are looking to get someone into. So let's see if we can make that timing work. He can move on, you can come in and we can go from there was kind of how it went. 
All right. Again, another excellent point for our audience. So some, you'll hear people say, oh, you know, 75% of jobs never get posted in the first place. So, you know, some, some very big number. I, I don't remember the exact, the exact percentage, but this could have been one of those situations. Like they have a person who's going to be moving on to another role. That person might be going to, might be in dual roles for a period until the organization figures it out. It doesn't, exactly get organized and posted yet. And in the meantime, you're having these conversations. Again, th this is how a lot of relaunchers and other non-relauncher job search searchers end up getting their jobs. So very interesting that, that you point that out. Um, Kendall, how long, do you remember how long it took from that very first conversation that your husband had at that lunch to the time you got hired? Hmm. I would say it was probably about four months or so. So I do consider myself pretty fortunate that um, that timeline really in terms of job searching and especially job searching as a relauncher wasn't that long. I know that, um, you know, anybody looking for a role and the right role for them, uh, you know, it can easily be significantly longer than that. And as a relauncher, um, just having that additional hurdle of getting back into the workforce can add a significant length of time to a search. So I feel very fortunate that it was, um, you know, as short as it was. And also, maybe we can... Uh underscore this again, it, I'm just thinking about the career transition piece of this is when you went in, you told them two things. Number one, I was an MBA student myself, so I can relate to the MBA students directly on that level. And number two, I have the experience from the other side, getting the jobs that they are going to be interested in getting. And so you are introducing to the employer qualifications for yourself that are not actually in the job description, but make you potentially even more uh, appealing of a candidate to them. So can you tell us just a little bit more about that thought? Did that just come naturally to you? And you're thinking, I'm just going to explain it this way. And it was right in the middle of the conversation that that was happening. Or did you kind of think that out and think, this is how I'm going to pitch to them why I am a non-traditional person for this job, but why I'm a really good candidate? Um, you know, I definitely did some thinking about that beforehand and, you know, went through my background and thought about how can I shape my story to fit what they're looking for. And in, in all honesty, that type of thinking was thinking that I'd done when I was, um, interviewing in um, business school. I had a finance background and I was looking to go into marketing. So I really spent a lot of time um, that second year, or actually I guess my first year of business school when I was interviewing for internships, but I spent a lot of time thinking about, all right, what have I done that translates well into what I want to do? And, um, you know, I got pretty good at telling the story of the work that I'd done and how I would exploit that in a brand management role. And so, um, you know, I say that to say that what I did when I was going to Kelly, it wasn't the first time I'd done it. 
And so I, it was a little bit easier for me to figure out that, yes, I need to do some translating for them because I'd already done that. Wow. So that's right. This was actually your second career transition. And it, I just want our audience to be uh, listening to how you thought about this process to do this, this twice, because then you transitioned a third time um, and becoming an entrepreneur. Can you talk about that piece of it and transitioning? Um, I, I guess it's kind of interesting. It's a very closely related field, but it's the entrepreneurial side of it as opposed to being in an academic environment. Yeah, yeah. So I would say that, um, you know, founding Ascension was a pretty close in transition versus the other career transitions that I'd had. But, um, you know, I'll, I'll step back and give you a little bit of um, context and a little bit more airtime to my time at Kelly to describe how I got to Ascension. Um, so mm-hmm. when I joined Kelly, I um, joined in a full-time capacity. I really loved the work. I had a great team. I, I was just thrilled and very happy to be there. Um, however, it was with that full-time schedule that caused a problem for me. I wasn't able to get my son involved in all the therapies that I wanted to. So um, after having been at Kelly for a couple of years, I went to my boss and, and I told her quite tearfully that I, I had to quit. I just couldn't make working that full-time schedule and getting everything that I wanted to do done for him done. And so um, she actually said to me in that conversation, the administration's looking to do some restructuring and asked if I'd be interested in a part-time role. So that was actually a no-brainer for me. I could, um, you know, still do the work that I was loving, um, but also do what I needed to do on the personal side. The only rub was that I'd be working with alumni instead of students. And, you know, I will say in that conversation, I didn't think about what that meant, but it actually turned out to be a fortuitous turn for two reasons. Um, One, alums are significantly more diverse in their career experiences and, you know, what they're looking to do with their careers and just in almost every way versus students. So I found alums a lot more challenging to work with, but by working with them, I became, um, you know, a significantly better coach. And then the other thing that happened was that, um, you know, just as one is want to do, I started telling family and friends about the fact that I was no longer working with students, I was working with alums. And, um, you know, they all said, oh, that sounds great. I actually would love to get some coaching myself. I think I could really benefit from that, but I'm not an alum. So I started Ascension essentially to meet the needs of family and friends. And um, I'll say it's grown basically via word of mouth, referrals, and my association with Ivy Launch. So for about four years, um, Ascension was my side hustle. I left Kelly two years ago, and I've been focused on Ascension ever since. 
And um, so that's kind of how Ascension came to be. And then to answer the second part of your question about the entrepreneurial side, um, I will say what's been most beneficial to me there was becoming crystal clear on where I wanted to focus Ascension careers. Um, you know, let's face it, professional development coaching, it's a pretty crowded field. And so mm -hmm. I needed to find a niche for Ascension. And to best do that, I leverage my experiences at Kelly. So um, the great majority of alums that I worked with, they had a pretty solid sense of what they wanted the next steps in their career to be. So I translated that experience to designing Ascension careers to being a coaching firm that focuses on clients that are in the mid to latter stage of a of a job search and then wow. also um, a lot of the alums that i worked with just didn't have the time nor the inclination to have a long-term relationship with me so i actually became pretty skilled at moving the needle with them in just a few sessions so knowing that i'm pretty good with a more transactional coaching model I designed all of my coaching packages to consist of just a few sessions. So I'll say that Ascension actually plays to my strengths, and I really like that. And, um, you know, I get to work with clients that are a good fit for me and my coaching skills. And that leads me to being pretty confident that my clients are going to have a good experience with me. And so that's made, you know, just the business side and being an entrepreneur much better because I do exactly what I want to do. Right. It's so interesting the way you think about it. So you're looking at the whole coaching space. You're looking at all the different players and the way people deliver coaching services. And you're thinking about what within that is the best match with your particular skill set. And you've come up with this very precise approach uh, that that distinguishes you and also draws on your strengths. And I, I think that's really fascinating. So thank, thank you for walking us through that piece of it. Uh, you're also our iRelaunch resume expert on the iRelaunch coaching team. And I'm you know, I'm always fascinated by you being in this role, uh, but also um, have had having had your own experience as a relauncher. And so I'm just thinking, are there any comments or recommendations for relauncher resumes, um, either through all the work that you've done with relaunchers or are based on your own experience that that you would want to pass on? I know we, you did an entirely, and why don't I just say this, you did an entirely separate session uh, with Cheryl McGee Wallace, who is our guest podcast host that's on resumes. And I will reference people to um, look that up on the iRelaunch pod, in the iRelaunch podcast library. But are there any comments just in general that you want to make right now briefly? Yeah, sure. Um, you know, I'll say just as I had to be flexible when thinking about my background and how it could be utilized in a different career path, I encourage all relaunchers to be equally nimble. And this goes for your resume, too. So I always tell people that your resume, yes, it must be accurate, but it does not need to be proportionate. 
So for instance, when I was relaunching, if I'd been going after another brand role, I wouldn't have, you know, utilized or I wouldn't have wasted the valuable real estate of a resume by including the recruiting work that I did at Kraft and Heinz. It just wouldn't have been relevant or important enough to include on, um, you know, that version of a resume. But Mm -hmm. when I was interviewing at Kelly, um, I actually pretty prominently featured the fact that I'd done some um, recruiting work at both Heinz and Kraft, um, because that was important to that audience. And so, you know, I would say I found the same to be true for my clients. Um, You know, it's really best for anyone to spend some time thinking about what it is that they want to do next, what they think they want to do next, what they're considering doing next, um, so that they can, you know, take whatever's in their background and, um, you know, make sure that's on the resume, maybe something that was, um, you know, a minor project feature it um, on the resume in a way that it doesn't seem so minor because mm-hmm. that it is going to be attractive to, um, you know, whomever is looking at it now. Now, of course, there's a caveat of you do need to be able to have a conversation around what's that, whatever's on the resume. So if it's so minor that you can't back it up, it shouldn't go there. But, um, you know, wherever it comes from, your background, whether that's your work life, your, um, you know, time during your break, if it helps you get to where you want to be, I'd say go ahead and figure out a way to get that on the resume. Excellent point. Thank you for sharing that. Uh, So there's a lot more uh, detail on on the podcast that Kendall did on resumes. So also look that up. But that is is excellent, excellent advice. So Kendall, we're, we're wrapping up right now, and there are a couple of uh, topics that that I I, I want to um, get your thoughts on. So first of all, as we reference at the beginning of of the podcast, given what's happening in our country right now with Black Lives Matter, do you want to maybe share at all anything about your experience as a black woman electing to take a career break and relaunching or anything about uh, that experience that you think was unique to you as as a black woman? Sure. Um, You know, I think that there's so many places that my answer could go. Um, But in the interest of time, um, you know, this is, I I guess this is what I'll say. Um, You know, as I was growing up, my mother taught me that as a black woman, I would always have two strikes against me. And this was a message that her mother passed on to her. And it's a message that I've passed on to my daughter. And I've done that because the reality is that that's true. And I think we're at a moment in time when I can say that to a broader audience and there's an effort to really hear that message versus mm-hmm. a knee-jerk defensiveness. So, so that's good. However, at the same time, I don't believe that all of a sudden Black women aren't going to have to work harder to be perceived as just as good. And so mm-hmm. that impacts you when you are working, when you're looking to relaunch at any point in time, 
um, you know, over your career. Um, you know, I know that attitudes are both overt and subtle and they, and they take time to change and for that change to be widespread. So my hope is that the Black Lives Matter movement is, is a catalyst for true reform, um, you know, in terms of police interactions with my people and also, you know, reforms that lead to barriers breaking down in, um, you know, all areas of the workforce and more importantly, attitudes changing so that mm -hmm. my daughter doesn't have to tell her daughter that simply by the fact of who she is, she has two strikes against her. Wow. Thank you for sharing that. And I'm also hoping that this is a time of real lasting change and not just a passing moment as we've seen in the past. So really appreciate you uh, sharing those thoughts with us, especially right now. And I'm happy to do that. I think, I think it's a good time to get that out. Mm -hmm. Well, we we also feel indebted to you for for being frank and honest and 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 willing to share right now. It's so important, um, Kendall. I we are running out of time now, and I want to move to our final question, which is the one that we ask all of our podcast guests, and that is, what is your best piece of advice for our relauncher audience? even if it's something that we've already talked about today. Okay. So I thought about this and I would say, um, you know, as a relauncher, the best advice that I want to give is for um, relaunchers to stop apologizing. Um, stop apologizing for taking the break. Stop apologizing for the length of time you were away. Stop apologizing for wanting to do something different from what you were doing before the break. You know, I just feel like all that apologizing gets you nowhere and it locks you into a negative mindset. And, you know, any relauncher, myself included, needs confidence wherever it can be found. And so I feel, um, you know, relaunchers are much better served by owning our decisions uh, you know, when networking, interviewing, or, you know, writing about a career break state or writing a career break statement on your resume, you come across as more confident and capable when you can present, you know, the decisions that you've made and the actions that you've taken without any type of hesitation or trepidation or apology attached. So if you can, you know, figure out or not if you can, but it's necessary to figure out a way to talk about what you've done, talk about um, the break, the decision to step away in a way that says, yes, I own this and, um, you know, it's done, it's good. And, you know, here I am ready for the next step. So important, Kendall, that advice about don't apologize and own your story and your decisions. Thank you for closing out our session with that excellent advice. And thanks for joining us today. Well, thank you. It's It's been good. I'm happy to be here. And thanks for listening to 321i Relaunch. You can connect to Kendall Brown through our irelaunch.com website under the Relauncher tab and under one-on-one -on -one coaching and specifically on resume advice. So look her up there. 
And thank you all for listening. You've been listening to 321 I Relaunch, the podcast where we discuss strategies, advice, and success stories about returning to work after a career break. I'm Carol Fishman Cohen, the chair and co-founder of I Relaunch and your host. For more information on I Relaunch, go to irelaunch.com. And to sign up for our new job board, go to the job board page on our website. And if you like this podcast, be sure to rate it on iTunes and your favorite podcast platform. And be sure to share this podcast with a friend on Facebook, Twitter, and other social media. Thanks for joining us. Thank you.